Welcome to the Strategy Sherpa Show, a series of organic discussions between hosts David Chavez and a variety of notable business leaders centered around their most significant failures and how they handled those challenges so listeners can learn from their most teachable moments and apply the lessons to their organizations. Now, here's your host, David Chavez. Hey everyone, this is the Strategy Sherpa Show. This is David Chavez and boy do we have a show for you today. Um, I've got a couple of colleagues to come along with me because we want to talk a little bit about some of the challenges sometimes our clients face and they don't really see it. And you know, on the Strategy Sherpa Show, what we're trying to do is we're trying to have conversations with people and where they have failed and how they overcame that failure and um, so I decided to invite a couple of our uh, team members on and talk a little bit about some of the clients we worked with over our careers and some of the things that they did to actually hurt themselves quite a bit. So we're going to be doing that today. So welcome, Michelle Berry. Michelle, good morning. Good morning. Well, welcome. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, David. All right. Tell everybody where you're at in the world. I am in Arlington, Massachusetts, which is a suburb of Boston. Okay. Um, how, how's temperature there right now? It's a little brisk. It's a little brisk. It's supposed to <laughs> go up into the 50s later today, but it's a little chilly right now. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's been a little cold. And then we have Preston Law with us. And uh, Preston, um, share with everyone where you're located in the world. Yeah. So I'm in Brooklyn, New York. And here it's, you know, pretty much the same as what Michelle's experiencing in the, the Boston area. It's chilly and, you know, today it's going to be cloudy, but yesterday it was really cold and sunny and my, my body can't deal with those two things of it being sunny and cold at the same time. So <laughs> I, I stayed inside. All right. So sunny and cold. Well, I, I'm down um, uh, just north of Austin, a town called Georgetown. It was actually nice yesterday. It's about 85 degrees, 60 in the morning. So it's uh, nice and cool. Um, I won't rub it in too much, though. All right. So uh, 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 <laughs> we were just talking about it right before we came on the radio show. All right. So um, just a couple of notes on things that are going on at Assured Strategy. Um, we have my um, Kane Pekovic, one of our coaches. She is going to be doing um, a workshop or a webinar on how to coach employees for top performance. And this is a workshop to actually learn how to do the coaching. And so from that's from 1 to 2 p.m. on the 11th, um, it's a couple of weeks from now. And on March 28th, I am actually doing a scaling up workshop in Austin, Texas. So I'm actually doing the workshop in Austin. And uh, Michelle's actually going to be joining me. Um, she's get, getting ready to become a um, scaling up coach. So we're going to invite her to help us with that. And um, we're going to be doing that and focusing on the four quadrants of people, strategy, execution, and cash. And if we have a little bit of time at the end, we'll talk about that. But we like to get into the show right away. And so I'm not sure who wants to go first. Um, uh, who, who wants to go first? You want to flip a coin or do you want, uh, I'll just choose. We'll go by an alphabetical order. Preston, you go first. All okay. right. So, so let's start off with, why don't you alphabet. share for us? What was that now? I'm sorry, Michelle. Reverse alphabet. <laughs> What's that? I think you did reverse alphabet. 
Oh, I did. Actually, oh, geez. <laughs> I wasn't even paying attention. Jeez. Um, yes. Michelle, you're going to go first. Preston, you stand by. Sorry about that. Okay. I, I mean, my brain was going 100 miles an hour. Wasn't even thinking properly. What alphabet are we in? <laughs> so, yes. I'm still a- learning the alphabet. So give me a little bit of a break. All right. <laughs> All right. So, so Michelle. Michelle. Thank you. Thank you, David. I have a really uh, interesting story of a client I've been working with for a few years and been in conversations trying to help him understand the value of having a strategy and having a plan and a vision for the future that's well articulated both to employees and you know and and uh, and beyond and he's always just been too busy you know too busy too busy doing too busy building built the company in the last 5 years from 3 million to 11 to after after an acquisition now is 38 million top line, right? Significant growth in five years, very busy in the work, doing the work, but very resistant to really taking a step back and thinking about the big picture and thinking about where he's going and what and what's the point of all of this. So Earlier in the year, 2023, he was approached by private equity. And if any of y'all are business leaders, business owners, you're probably getting the same thing. There's a lot of money on the side and PE firms are approaching people left, right, and center. And they're, you know, they're like guys hitting on you in a bar, right? They have a lot of sweet talk, but, you know, but who's going to go home and who's going to really, you know, have a relationship with you? That's what it all boils down to, right? And what are they looking for? And what are you looking for? So. As a business owner, my client was looking for, uh, you know, people who he, he, with whom he could relate, as well as what was the valuation, what was the actual money going to be, and they they were talking crazy money this firm, and he went out to see them, at, you know, and back you know back to see them many many conversations over the course of 2023, and he was looking at a more than ten times EBITDA valuation, which is ridiculous for his industry, just crazy money. He'd never been thinking of selling. He loves running his business. He loves doing the work. But when somebody throws money like that in, you you know, in, you know, that those kinds of values where you're talking about significant life altering valuation and he's the sole owner, you just can't turn, you just can't turn your back on that. So he's in these conversations and, you know, they're dating. And as the, as these, the relationship starts to get a little bit more serious. Now the PE is signing NDAs and looking and doing some diligence on the organization. So the phone calls started coming less and less frequently. And eventually my client realized he's been ghosted by, you know, by the the PE firm that had been so hot and heavy at the beginning of their relationship. Yeah, let me ask you a couple questions here because like um ghosted means that they're not talking to you anymore. They just don't return the phone calls or they don't return yep. them for weeks on end. They're not and, answering um, the calls anymore. They're not answering your emails anymore. Yep. Yeah. Um what in the industry, what industry is this in? Do you can you share the industry? Uh so his organization does sort of um it's just industry. So let's keep it yeah, as sort of manufacturing in the uh, biotech space. Okay. And then what are normal multiples that the businesses like his are being sold for? What, probably really? four or five EBITDA um, on a good side? Six to eight. Six to okay. eight. Okay. A little higher. High. 
Okay. Uh, but six to eight, but 10. So he was getting ordinary. What was that? He, 10 is extraordinary. Okay. So, so he's getting a really high multiple, almost a 50% increase in the multiple just because the PE firm wants to do business with him. Correct. Okay. And a really good business model, extraordinarily successful through the pandemic and maintained that success and really uh -huh. successful with an acquisition. So, you know, looks really good in terms of that story. However, you dig under the covers and PE firms, they don't come to organizations wanting to take over and run you. They want an organization that is professional. They want an organization that can run itself. And so they look for indicators of what indicates that you are a professional organization that you can run yourself. Well, one of the key indicators is what's your what's your plan? What's your three-year plan? Where do you think this is going in three, five, you know, where is this headed? What's your plan? And beyond that, how how do you, you know, show me that you can get a plan and execute it, right? Show me that you've got a history of making a plan and, and working it through to success. Because then I believe not only that you have a plan, but that you're having a plan means something, right? Because yep. you've been able to make a plan and, and live up to the plan and bring it to life, right? That is value in itself. And so that validates the value. The absence, by contrast, of a plan means that they think you're kind of just winging it. And how do we know that just because you say you're going to do something means you're going to do it? Yeah, that's correct. Right? How do we know that just because you say you've done this in the past, you know, means that you know how to do it again or still or next time or for the future? Because when you don't have documented plans and, and methodologies for doing what you do, it could just be luck, right? Yeah. It could just be... There's no ability to trust that you as a leader can actually do what you say you're going to do if you can't provide that pathway. And so that yeah. really, and, and really hurts the value of a firm. What you're talking about, just to, just to clarify these things for people who may not be very astute with these things, um, you're talking about having a plan that's laid out where you can actually show somebody Hey, here's a plan we created three years ago, and here's what we worked towards. And we've accomplished these things. And here's what we originally said we were going to do. Here's what we ended up doing, because it's never exactly the same, right? Because we're learning as we're going along. But it shows a pathway to our thinking. Is that what exactly. you're saying? Okay. Exactly. And it shows that not only what we're thinking, but one, that we are thinking. Uh-huh. Right. Two, how we are thinking. And three, how do we turn what we're thinking into reality? That's right? correct. And then how do we learn from what we've done in the past in our efforts to turn what we're thinking into reality? How do we learn and grow and get better at this over time? Yeah. Right. And so that shows, and that, that's what you need because that's what they're buying. Right. When they're when you're looking at a, at a lot of value for your organization. You're looking at, you know, at what's the value for the buyer. Right, right. So, 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 so share with us. So they, um, so they came to him, they talked to him about uh, possibly doing a deal. 
And they started down that path of the courtship and the relationship. And and uh, then the PE firm started to do due diligence or did they give yep. them an LOI? They started to do they started to do a more serious uh, diligence, wanting to see some things before really putting together an LOI. Okay, an LOI, those of you who don't know, is a letter of intent. That's a letter of intent to purchase your company. And it sort of locks the parties into a relationship agreement. Not that anything's going to happen. It's just the starting point of making a transaction happen. Because a lot of business owners think that they're going to sell their business. And 80% of the businesses that are created out there are never sold. And um, and so th when this starts to happen, we get an LOI and we get we start down this path. They did not get to that point. They ghosted them before then. Correct. And, Correct. and why did they ghost them before then? What did they see that he couldn't it's, see? It's it's more what they didn't see. Uh huh. Right. It's the absence of plans. It's the absence of you know, because they're asking for things and that, you know, the list of things they're asking for, there's some financial information that they want and that's standard, but they're also asking for plans. Right. And when you don't have a plan and they're asking for a plan, you can't give them it. Uh, you know, you have nothing to give them. Okay. Well, and so what ended up happening to this guy then? So they, 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 in their minds, they sort of walked away. Uh -huh. So they're, um, but they weren't clear. And they didn't give him the feedback of why they were walking away because they have a lot of companies they're courting. And so when they're done with you, they're kind of done with you without necessarily telling you why. And they'll never tell you why. They'll never tell you why, because they may want to come back and date you in the future when you've learned. Right. Or legally, they don't want to tell you why because they don't want to be uh, in trouble right. or anything like that, too. So. Right. so they're walking away, you know, ghosting. And ghosting is literally not returning phone calls, not returning emails, um, just like, you know, we loved you yesterday and now we want nothing to do with you. Right. Yeah. And he, he was like, you know, just and not for nothing. I can't tell you the amount of time and energy this CEO spent on this endeavor during the course of 2023. And I'm going to, I'm going to hold you right there. And I don't, don't hate to do this, but we're on a live radio show. So we have to do this and we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and we'll pick back up where, where you're leaving off. So get it, keep it in your mind, Michelle. We'll be right back. Preston, we haven't forgot about you. We're, we're, we're just uh, doing our thing and then we'll come back and do yours next. So this is a strategy Sherpa show. This is David Chavez. And we'll be right back after these messages. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with... Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Volato. Our vision at Volato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our jet share program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all of the, the revenue that that plane generates. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. All right. Hey, everybody. This is David Chavez. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show, and we're here with the team members from Assured Strategy talking about some of the challenges some of our clients have had. But I want to talk about... Um, on April the 4th, you know, one of the things we believe here at Assured Strategy is, is that we believe that clients should not have debt unless it's strategic debt. And we try to help clients get rid of that debt. That's one of the first things we do, because when they do that, their profitability shoots up quite a bit. And um, so one of our colleagues on April the 4th, Warren um, Sager, is doing a webinar on improving your cash position with seven simple financial levers. He's going to be going through this cash flow story um, exercise and teaching you how to look at your cash a little bit differently. So, Michelle, we are talking about your, your client. Um had an opportunity to sell his company for a 10x, and he, um, when normal is about six to eight, um, he this this offer came unsolicited to him, <clears throat> and then all of a sudden the PE firm ghosted him and share pick it up from there. So, <clears throat> and as we had discussed, his absence of a strategy and his absence of having demonstrated how he got to where he got to and how he was planning to get to where he's going. Uh, was really at the root of the of the PE firm walking away. And the amount of time and the amount of energy, the, the sheer literal hours he spent in meetings with them and flying to see them and, you know, having lunches and having dinners and meeting these, all these different people from the PE firm. And 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 then the amount of time and energy he he put into just thinking about it and dreaming about it and planning for it and all of that. If he had spent just less than half that time, less than a quarter of that time, actually working on the strategy of his organization, he might still be able to be in conversations. Right? It, it, it just, the, the, uh, the, the unwillingness to step back and, and, um, and take the time, minimal amount of time, to focus on strategy and the pathway and, and 
defining that, clarifying that in the past created this, you know, yes, winging it or, or, you know, his, his instincts are great. He's a great leader. He creates, he's created an awesome organization, but it's unsellable as it is. Now he, 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 he got this offer unsolicited. So they approached him, the PE firm did. And then you said that he had spent a a significant amount of time and resources. And I want to say a few things before you respond to that, because, you know, I was a valuation guy for years and I watched this happen over and over again, where people, when they start to get these, uh, start the activity of a possible sell, they literally check out on their company a little bit, right? And um, and so so you started talking a little bit about that right before break. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Sure. Well, as as a, as a CEO and the owner, when you're looking at you know a greater than fifty million dollar uh, offer that that's going to put life altering money in your own bank account, right. uh, you put a lot of time and energy into that. Mm-hmm. And that's time and energy you're no longer putting into the actual business of your business, right? right. <clears throat> you're not working on the strategy of the business. You're not working on really all any time and any effort put into this fantasy of this massive potential offer is time and energy that is left off the business. And you yeah. take your eye off that ball. And what typically happens and what happened here is you start to see some of the things inside the business start to struggle and suffer because your eye is off the ball and you haven't built the professional uh, systems in the organization that are required not only to get the valuation that you want, but also to sustain the organization while you're paying attention to that sales effort. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, so I, I, I find a lot of business owners, what they do is they, um, they get so caught up in the sale. I've had so many of them over the time, you know, because I've probably been involved in 150 deals in my life. And I have watched people go start to look at buying second homes to buying other types of things and they lose their focus in their company. And then they quit doing the things that they would do if they weren't selling like the operations, they they don't they make the operations suffer. Oh, I don't want to buy that asset, or I and, and then the deal doesn't go through, and they literally set their company backwards, probably like four or five years, right? Right. It's you know I don't want to buy that asset, or in this case, I don't want to hire that person. They're really expensive. That'll detract from the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. And, and and then if the deal doesn't go through, they have lost these opportunities. And it's hard to get them back, some of them back. But um, thank you for sharing, Michelle. We'll probably interweave that into a little bit of Preston stuff because we're going to come back to this, I'm sure. So Preston, the the, the alphabetically ordered first person. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get into yours and let's hear a little bit about what your experience has been and some of the things you've learned. Sure. Thanks, David. I've been... I guess I would say accidentally fallen into being a process guru. And the the way that I wound up doing that was just asking why, uh, why are we doing things this way? What are we trying to, to solve? And I, I find that, you know, companies of various sizes tend to make 
the, the same mistake. They say, we need processes, we need to put something in place for all of the right reasons where, okay, only one person knows how to do it, let's get them to write it down, and that's a great first step. But after that, people don't go back and look at the process itself. And, you know, most of maintaining that and keeping it going and keeping it getting better and better all the time is just off the shelf and not thought about, but they add things to it because somebody got upset inevitably. Somebody got upset and said, I need to know about this. So uh, a couple of things that I've had experience happening where people are doing reports that now nobody looks at. Mm -hmm. So one company <laughs> had someone keying in data from a point of sale system into a spreadsheet that would go to another person who would combine all of the company's departmental spreadsheets into one. And then they would send that to their accountant who would compare those spreadsheets to the point of sale system and then say to the owner, okay, the, the spreadsheets and the point of sale system uh, match. And by the way, here's your nice graphs and everything that the point of sale system generates uh, with the attachment of the spreadsheet that no one ever looked at. And, yeah, yeah. you know, they were taking time every single day, hours of work to maintain something that no one ever looked at. Yeah, yeah, that happens quite a bit. Uh, you know, another instance was a software company who had a report that needed to be done per like ISO and they were medical software, so FDA regulations and all this needed to, to be done. And someone had gone in years back and automated that whole reporting process, not needed anymore, but it was still part of the quality process. So the managers were saying that the person's name, uh, change the names, that's yeah, Tammy's yeah. report. So we have to do the report for Tammy. And Tammy's sitting there saying, oh, the managers need this report. I have to make sure it's right and do my job the right way to give it to the managers. And nobody was looking at nobody wanted it. Each side thought it was super important to the other side. And, you know, I can go on and on and on about uh, about those sorts of things. And it really does tie into the strategy and execution on the strategy as, well, one thing you have to show that you are able to execute on your strategy. But then the next step that you get asked is, is this being executed efficiently? And how is that impacting the, the bottom line, which sure, like Michelle was saying, hey, we don't want to hire this person because it's going to impact the, the bottom line. But at the same time, if you're spending your resources, whether it's people, uh, money, you know, equipment, doing things in an inefficient way, that's, that's the, going to be the biggest impact to your bottom line uh, in you know, really affecting that, not just the valuation of your business, but your ability as an owner to get to sleep at night. Yeah. So, so one, one of the, um, you, you, you've heard me talk about this because I talk about this quite often in the firm, um, especially when we're out on clients. I, I talk about process erosion, right? Over time, processes get eroded and you were talking a little bit about it. Um, you sort of brushed on it a little bit and Michelle probably has a few good examples around this too. Um, so we make a process and we create it and we create that flow, right? 
And we help the client think about that and get that flow down. And then that flow becomes a process, right? Then we can write the details around the process and everything. And then what leaders do is some one of the employees come and ask a question about the process and they answer the question, not knowing what the real process says because they didn't memorize every step <laughs> of the 40 processes they manage, right? Right, um, right? So in this employee, this is their one process. And so they answer the question real quick and they actually create another process in that process. Exactly, exactly. And those things add up over time to just be extra work for people. Yeah. And so and so so what ends up happening is it's the eroding the original process that didn't have all these redundancies in there. So what you were talking about is redundancies in the process itself. Right. Okay. Am I thinking about that correctly? Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, so many times people forget about the the last step of the you know of process improvement or writing processes, and that is you know continuous improvement, yeah. uh, managing the process. You know, even in things you know on a personal level, like the the last habit in the seven habits of highly effective uh, people is to what they call keeping the saw. The, Sharp, sharpen the saw. Sharpen the saw. Keep on, uh-huh. keep on getting better and better every day. Right. And that, if if you can take enough time, like Michelle said, enough time out of just doing and spending time on doing it better and better and better every every time, uh, you'll wind up being much more successful in your business and uh, working less. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is probably one of the biggest reasons why business owners have to stay involved in everything is because they don't have clearly documented processes. So people don't know what to do. So they have to ask questions. And the more questions you're getting asked as a business owner, that should be telling you that your processes probably aren't as effective as they should be. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that commonly goes with processes is the lack of training on those processes. Like you and I are actually right. working with a client right now. We've documented and, and we're helping them learn how to, how to actually do the processes. We're actually teaching them how to do it. We're not doing it for them. So this isn't a consulting engagement. This is a coaching engagement. But also, we're making sure they understand the importance of training these processes, mm-hmm. right? So not only are we helping them understand the process of putting a process together, but training it also. Michelle, you had something on this? Yeah. Well, so what I see, what I see with clients who who aren't doing that, what they do instead is when an employee has a question or when there's a, a an error or a problem, they add a layer of review from a more expensive person. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so a higher up person who's further removed from the process and may not even know the process is now spending some amount of very expensive time. And so they add these layers of expensive higher up levels of review, taking them further and further away from actually the, the root of the problem and costing more and more for, you know, for something that really needs to be fixed much more at the process level. 
Yeah. So, hey, we're going to take a break. Um, we, uh, we're a live radio show, so we're going to take a break. We'll be right back after these messages, and we'll continue this conversation. Take care. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Anyone can learn the keys to success from podcasts, TED Talks, and other forms of media. But what you really don't learn is the failures that lead up to that point. Join David Chavez on the Strategy Sherpa Show as he and notable business leaders have that discussion and teach you how valuable it is to learn from your failures. The Strategy Sherpa Show, Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. And get amplified. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is Strategy Sherpa Show. This is David Chavez, and we were just talking about mulching our yard. My, at least I was talking about mulching my yard. <laughs> and we were trying to determine what was the best, doing the bags or having somebody come and dump mulch in your driveway. Um, and Preston and I both are on the bag side. Michelle thinks that it would just be easier to dump some uh, mulch in the uh, driveway and go from there. So uh, that's the technical conversation we were in at the break. <laughs> so so uh, just wanted to point out one more thing. Um, like I try to give go over some of the we have it on in May 8th. Um, Ted Servada and I are going to do a scaling up workshop in Portland. So um, we're doing these all over the country. So if you're in a different part of the country, Austin isn't your thing. Portland doesn't think isn't your thing. You can get on assuredstrategy.com um, slash events, and it will take it take you to all of our events that we're doing. So guys, we we're talking a little bit about process, right? And, and we were talking a little bit about um, um, process erosion, what I term process erosion, where 
processes are, are documented. Leaders ask questions about those processes, are, are, are asked questions. I said that incorrectly. And they answer them instead of directing the employee back to the process and ask them to look at the process. And if they have a specific question about the process, they end up answering those, those questions and actually create another process. And so about a year later, you have 20 variations of the process and you no longer have a functional process any longer. Correct. Correct. And it, it and then the next thing that people do is they say, well, uh, we need to make sure that people are familiar with what they're supposed to do as part of the, the process. And then they create um, a RACI matrix. And if people don't know what that is, that's RACI stands for um, Responsible, Accountable, uh, Consulted, <laughs> I always forget this, Consulted and Informed. So rather than looking at why we're doing it, they try to create this massive uh, matrix of, okay, if this is your job, this is the thing in the process that you're going to be responsible, accountable, uh, consulted, or informed on. And, and I call the RACI matrix a not me list because what people do is they look at that and they look for their, their job description and their, or their, you know, the name of their job and they don't see it anywhere and they say, oh, that's not me. I'm not the one that's going to that's going to do it and so those turn out not to be uh, all that all that helpful but yet for a lot of process consultants that's the first thing they do and that's that's the thing that we're going to do that's going to solve the the problem rather than taking a step back and like Michelle said well all of these people higher up in the organization are now involved in building the widget right well, if if that's what has to happen for your employees to do the things the right way, then you really have a much bigger problem in your organization around uh, accountability. Uh, you know, I call it pride of workmanship as as well, that you're trying to solve by adding more people looking over everyone's shoulder. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, so I was going to say is, is when you talked about those, those little um, additional processes inside the original process that corrode the original process, what I find too is that different employees get different variants of that. So you also are losing consistency because not only is your original process now uh, messed up with all these variants, but because they're not written down and they're not trained properly, uh, different employees are doing doing what they think is the right the right thing different ways and and no two employees now are doing the same thing the same way uh, yeah and, and it's very well said i think that people don't understand and going back to your uh just a, a talk earlier um michelle about selling your company if these processes are really documented really well and to preston's point they're being followed the valuation of the company goes up significantly. I um, hear so many people out there about exit planning. Um, exit planning is probably important when you're getting closer to doing a deal, getting your documents in order, making sure that everybody everything's in order in the right place. But if you want to learn about exit planning, 
get a strategy, have well-documented processes and a good training system, your valuation will be significantly higher. And those of you who think that rule of thumb is the valuation, um, rule of thumb is the average. If your company is average, that's your rule of thumb EBITDA number. But if your company is better than average, you should expect a lot higher number. And so the difference, and you have to remember, to make up that average, there's a lot of people underneath that number too. So um, a lot of people don't think about that and never think about their company being one of the ones that are un is under. So very good. Very good. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about more about does do either of you have another example of a client that sort of um, Michelle? Whatever happened to your guy? Did he ever sell his company? Oh, not yet. No, no. He's got to back up and you know now develop a strategy, articulate his strategy because he has ideas in his head. It's just not documented and is not planful. So he has to he he has to now professionalize his organization and really, I mean, I. I always recommend that if you run your business as though you were preparing to sell it, mm -hmm. you will be running your business really, really well. You know, and we talk about that. And that is not just having a strategy. And it's not just having mm -hmm. good processes. It's also having a really strong and healthy culture. And awesome. it's really paying attention to, to the financials. And, you know, we always say, you know, revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, cash is king right? You have to pay attention to all the elements of your financials and really understand how it all functions. So it's the, it's the blend of all these things coming together. If you do these things well, as though you were preparing to sell your company, then you have a great company, whether or not you sell it, right? Yeah. Whether yeah, or not and, and I, and I love how you said that because like I was, I was on, had a podcast last week or a radio show last week with Frank Martin, from um, Las Vegas, he was a huge contractor in Las Vegas and did very well. And he talked about three-legged stool. But um, one of the things that he was talking about in that is is to re to get the data right. One of the things that he had talked about at when he lost his first fortune is um, after he had lost his first fortune, he learned how to read the balance sheet and how important that really was because a lot of business owners pay attention to the P&L and they think everything drives off of that. Well, the balance sheet is actually the thing that keeps the score. And I love how you threw in there culture and people. I think one of the biggest challenges, I've been a scaling up coach for 15 years now, We've, as a company, have been in almost 300 companies now helping them. And one of the biggest challenges I see is the wrong people in the wrong seats. Somebody who's good helping the company get to this point is now blocking the company from getting to the next point. So the culture has to be in line. Good leadership has to be in line. Holding people accountable to advancing themselves has to be in line. And then, uh, so all these things are working in, uh, uh, together. It's not, these things aren't separate from each other. That's what you were trying to say. Exactly, exactly. They're all in, in, integral to a very successful organization, which yeah. I think is what business right. owners want. I don't think anybody starts and runs a company to not be successful, right? <laughs> That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> That's true. Preston, That's did true. you have, have a little bit to add there? Yeah, I I really like the way that uh, that Michelle said it. 
that you know if you're running it like you're going to to sell it you'll be running it well That's and right. i find a lot of business owners will say well i'm not interested in selling so i'm not going to take the time to run my business well yeah which you know if you say that back to them <laughs> they have a strange look on their face like well no i i want to run it well i just don't want to sell it I'm like well you can do the the same things that you would do to sell it that means that you're running it well they're not like separate separate entities or separate paths just with a, a different end in mind yeah no and i love how you just said that because um well, oftentimes because we're coaches and consultants too but but the coaching side of it when you repeat back to clients some of the silly things they say sometimes <laughs> um they just look at you like did i really just say that uh, um so right because so, uh, right? because the realization the coaching is getting people to think a little bit deeper and when you repeat back silly things like this that they say they realize how silly it is what they just said and the way that right. maybe they're thinking about it too. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah. I, yeah, I, they, I people will say, go ahead. People will say, Oh, I'm, I'm too busy uh, doing it this way to think about doing it a better way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes no sense, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, well, 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 that's that Covey's time matrix, right? Um, urgent and important, the whirlwind of the day is not allowing us time to work on the important, but not urgent. So because right. it's not ruling my day, it must not be that important. Um, so you were going to say something, Michelle, and I interrupted you. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I, what what I like to 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 advise people is that you want to be the company that your employees say, God, I love to work there. You want to be the company that your customers say, I love doing business with them, that your vendors say, I love doing business with them. Well, as a leader, how do you create that, right? Yep. That's the company that's going to be thriving. That's the company that's going to be successful. And that's the company that's going to be valued more highly, whether or not you want to sell. That's irrelevant. But if you run it as though you want to sell it, then that's what you create. You create the kind of company that people love to do business with. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the Strategy Sherpa Show. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back and we'll wrap this up for you. So um, have Michelle Berry and Preston Law with Assured Strategy with me this morning. We're talking about some of the common mistakes we see out there with business owners and some of the things that they do and leadership teams with um, hurting the valuation of their company. All right. Uh, we'll be right back after these messages. A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Velato. Our vision at Velato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests 
with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our JetShare program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all the, the revenue that that plane generates. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey, this is Strategy Sherpa Show. This is David Chavez. Hey, guys, I want to share with you something. I went to lunch with the business owner um, down in Austin just this last week and um, went to and, and he asked me what I did because we were just talking as friends, right? I, I had been introduced to him to, through uh, uh, an organization I'm involved with, and I just went and talked to him and I was talking to him and he asked me what I did. And I told him that we were business coaches uh, um, and he goes, Oh, so immediately he goes to O oh, and, and, and I, I, we were joking a little bit and I was sharing with them. I said, oh, why did you say it the way you said it? And he said, oh, there's a lot of you business coaches out there. And I said, yeah, there are a lot of business coaches out there, right? Everybody who's left the company and decided to become a business coach, they strike out on their own and they become a business coach. And he said, he goes like, he goes, but you sound a lot different when I'm talking to you. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said that um, it was really interesting talking to me because it seemed like I knew a lot about running a business. I said, like, yeah, I've had five of my own and this is the sixth one actually. And, um, and, and he was fascinated about that. And then he'd asked me what was different in our firm of coaches. And what I shared with them is the amount of training. Michelle, you, you've just come into the firm not too long ago, and you're fairly well trained and have a lot of business acumen yourself. I mean, you've been you, you've been around for quite a while, doing really good job working with people on the same things we've been helping them with. But um, what have you found as the that the, is the difference of assured strategy and really using a utilize a, a what we do with the coaches? Well, I think it's a couple of things. One, I think it's it's getting some baseline training across the board so that all of our coaches have certain baseline skills and 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 tools and and levels of expertise, um, which I think is important so that we can deliver uh, effectively and that our clients can trust that whoever coaches is going to have a skill set that's going to be uh, trained up throughout the organization. But the other thing is that we all, each of us enters the organization with different pockets of expertise. And so what, what we're able to do is not only have this baseline, but we're also able to then say, well, you know, my client has this challenge and this other coach in our organization actually has really deep expertise there. So because we have these pockets of differing ex levels of expertise and different types of expertise, we have we have folks who can help our clients, uh, you know, across a much broader array of challenges. Whereas most business coaches, to your to your uh, friend's point, 
you know, they're just single, you know, individuals hanging out a shingle because they can. And that's awesome and more power to them. And, you know, anybody working with a business coach is better than people not working with anybody. But that said, I think that we can deliver a more effective approach across an organization, not only working with the C-suite, but also working with the mid-level managers because we have the personnel, we have the baseline training, we have the pockets of expertise and the talent and experience to, to help at all levels of an organization. So that's kind of, and that's one of the reasons I was attracted to a shirt strategy, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, we really have a common way of working. So any of us coaches can come into the project at any point in time and sort of know what's going on just by, because we have pretty good processes about the way we approach working with client. Preston, what have you found? I found <clears throat> that there's a lot of sharing between the coaches of what our expertise is uh, uh, beyond, okay, we have our, our good baseline, but then we know who to talk to or who to bring in to our clients. That's, you know, something that's really suitable to their strength. And, and I really like that because we're doing it from a way where we're all talking the same language. We, yeah. we all know, okay, this is what they're trying to do. Oh, uh, Michelle, you have a lot of experience in this area. Or she said, oh, Preston, you have a lot of experience in this area. And we'll, we work as a team and bring our expertise together to help the client rather than saying, okay, uh, 10 clients, five coaches, two clients per coach. And, <laughs> you know, and bill, bill up, bill up, bill up, bill up, right? <laughs> you know, right. where are your billable hours? That's, that's, those aren't, those aren't terms that we use at a, at a shared strategy. Yeah, we don't, we don't even bill hours because I, I um, don't want the clients worried about cost. I just want to solve the client's problem. We come up with the project fee and stick with it, right? That's exactly, right. David, what, what, Preston, what you were talking about that, that I really love about my time in a shared strategy so far which is it's not about protecting your turf. It's about how can we best help the client and who within, a, who within our world can, can help us help the client the most effectively. So it's not, um, it, it's not about my own personal ego or my own personal turf or this is my client. You know, it's, it's just not about that at Assured Strategy. It's about what the clients need and who can we help, uh, how can we best help them and with whom. Yeah, we have we have a we have a fast food restaurant we've been working with uh, refining their processes. So Preston's on it working on processes. Um, Kane, one of our coaches, is actually working on the training aspects of it, at, um, helping them learn how to train people. And then I am working with the senior leaders of the company, trying to help them get a little bit more focused on the longer term game. So there's three of us on it. And we do this on a lot of clients because I don't have all the expertise. Or if I do, I don't have time to focus like Preston does on the details of a process. And so what we're trying to do is make sure that the, the client's getting the best that they can get to help them. And he he was a little shocked when I told him about the differences. And, and he said, you know, those are pretty notable. And I just wanted to bring that up because a lot of people think about coach and they automatically think about, oh, somebody who's just calling themselves a coach. Probably our biggest problem with helping a client is the coach that was there before us. So, uh, um, right, uh, because yeah. they come in, they don't have the experience, they're trying to help them with things that they don't have experience with. 
if we don't have the experience, we just don't do it. And we're, we're constantly trying to get experienced mm-hmm. people into our firm to cover a lot of the basis of, of the business. Any closing words or thoughts for our audience before we head off into the sunset for today? I would just say that, you know, the time you spend uh, working on the business rather than in the business is what brings value to the business and makes the kind of business that you will love to run and that people will love to work with. Yep. And Michelle, tell them one real quick thing about you that no one would know. Oh, I'm a, I'm a huge athlete. I play uh, ice hockey and soccer, and I've won national championships in both sports. Yeah, it's always great talking to you because oh. Michelle usually joins a meeting and she just got done kicking somebody's rear on the ice skating <laughs> rink. So, <laughs> or, or it's not ice skating, hockey rink. Excuse me. That, that was that was that was a bad flaw of uh, mistake there, Michelle. Hey, Preston, share one thing because I love this about you. Share one thing about you. So I'm a singer in a uh, New Orleans funk band. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> All right. And um, you, you play quite often, correct? Not as often as I would like to, but I, you know, a couple times a year and it's always great fun. The question is, does the band have more fun or does the audience have more fun? All right. And with that, we're going to have to end it. It's time for us to go. We're a live radio show. This is Strategy Sherpa Show. This is David Chavez. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. We hope we've given you some insight into the journey of success and how the road to success is laid with bricks of failure. Tune in next week for another inspiring episode.